Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast on a kind of overcast Friday here. The uh, Blue Jackets getting ready for it should be an interesting offseason. Aaron Portson of the Athletic here joined by Allison Lucan. Hello. Tom Reed is on assignment. Oh, is he on assignment right now? Uh, he'll be with us uh, hopefully for for follow-up podcasts. Um but when we'll be joined later in this program by the radio voice of the Blue Jackets, Bob McGilligan. And so look forward to that. First, I want to get to a couple of things. Uh, Allison had a, a Q&A posted this morning with Yarmo Kekalainen. Um, not patting myself on the back, but I think the questions in some cases were were um, better than the answers. And that's not anything against <laughs> Yarmo. It's just that this it is the season, right? He's not going to. I think everyone can see what game he's playing, but he's not going to show you his cards, in other words. Um, I think there were a couple of interesting things in there. The Winberg, look, if Matt Duchesne leaves with the other uh, free agents, Bobrovsky, Panarin, you know them well, Zingle, they're back to having to rely on Alexander Winberg to be a top six centerman. And Yarmo was, was rather insightful about that uh, seemed to indicate that at this point he doesn't see there being any buyouts. So perhaps Brandon Dubinsky will, will continue here. I think that's the name that most people uh, think of when they think potential buyouts with the blue jackets. Um, and he was resolute uh, in the fact that the blue jackets, no matter what happens with these UFAs, if they all leave, that this is still going to be a competitive team 
based upon the core of this team and the young players uh, coming in. Uh, your thoughts on that general idea, Allison, and also anything else you took uh, from the Q&A with Yarmo Kickerline? Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, I thought it was a great piece, and people who haven't read it definitely should. Uh, you know, I, I, I am not a sky-is-falling person on this team. I, I do think they'll be competitive. Will they be <clears throat> in the driver's seat? Probably not, um, without some additions or maybe some changes. But but I don't think that this is a bottom-falling-out team unless the goaltending just completely goes off the rails. And, and honestly, I don't know that we can even say that just yet. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, again, I think the, the bigger judgments and decision-making on all of this is going to come three, four, five years down the, down the road when we look at how the organization replaces the draft picks that they gave up and how they supplement the talent that usually comes from within. And, and there's talent inside right now, of course, even young talent, but it has to keep coming in waves, right? You can't just say, well, we've got young talent now, now we're good. Um, I did think his, his Wenberg comments were, were important. I mean, we've talked about that on this show in that worlds isn't everything and he acknowledged that, but it could be good for him to have had that success. And then we, and quite frankly, now the organization can say, look, we know you can have success. Like there aren't any more excuses. They've, they've got to figure this out with him. Um, that center lineup is a little scary <laughs> for those who saw it before um, some sure. of the additions, but uh, no, I thought the Q and a was good and Yarmo's not going to say what exactly he's going to do, but the next gosh, what month, five weeks is just going to be a fascinating time for this organization. Yeah, it sure is. And I've always sort of looked at the, the uh, hockey season, the flow, the process of it as every year, the, the draft, the picks that the league gives you in the draft, that, that's sort of like going around the Monopoly board and, and getting $200. Right. And it's how you spend those 200 bucks. You can turn that into 15,000 bucks if you make the right moves or you can blow you can blow that money before you get to Atlantic Avenue. Good Monopoly reference. <laughs> I like um, it. But when you trade away those draft picks, you've given away currency for players. So the currency that they gave up in those draft picks was Duchesne's the trade for that was Duchesne's performance from the end of February through the playoffs. Right. Right. And now that's gone. If he leaves, that's gone. Right. Uh, same with Dezingle, the two first round draft picks that's gone if, if he leaves. So how do you get that currency back? And that's, that's the process that the blue jackets are in now where, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, and this, this is a relatively small potatoes, but I think people in the organization were a little surprised that Sedlak took off to the KHL because that could have been a probably fourth or fifth round pick. Right. Uh, you know, signing him and, 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 and moving him um, if they decided to move him. But there, now there have to be other things in there that will get you those picks back. I just can't believe, frankly, that they're going to have two picks in Vancouver something's going to pop here in the next couple of weeks for them uh, to, to get some of those picks back. Now they've got the pro scout. They had the pro scouts in town this week for meetings. Mm -hmm. um, and so everything's being evaluated in house and out, out there, almost said outhouse. house. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what the world looks like, who may be available, uh, where they would fit on the depth chart here. 
So I think beginning next week is when you're going to start to really see maybe not some the result of of some deals, but the the baby steps towards deals because I think things are going to get interesting here really quickly. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I've mentioned this a couple times now, but to to follow with your monopoly monopoly analogy, th- what they did too was they they inflated the cost of anything they buy, right? Because that $200 comes free. And we've talked about, and it is true, and it is a benefit, if none of the UFAs return, the Jackets have a ton of cap space to play with. But those dollars aren't worth as much as the $200 that went around the board, right? Because the benefit of drafting is not just to get the talent, but to get the talent at an affordable price. That's the whole restricted free agent thing. Right. And so they are going to have dollars. And so what I, what I think this whole process did do is because they know the dollars they have are, are devalued, if you will, compared to a, a draft pick dollar, if we're using the monopoly analogy, is that they've, they've spent it on marketing themselves. This is an organization that the entire hockey world looked at and saw a GM say, I believe in my players and I'm willing to take risks, and I'm willing to go all in. And we heard from the Blue Jackets themselves, even those who are leaving, that that meant something to them, to have the front office behind them with that push. I think that's a pretty big commercial to players who may yet sign with this team as free agents this year, next year. And I think that matters because, as as Yarmo keeps saying, you want people who want to be Blue Jackets. He put on a very big commercial to why a player might want to be a Blue Jacket after all. Yeah. I wonder, though, and the other side of that, of your valid point, the other side of that is, oh, what kind of advertisement is it when they all leave? For sure. And that that's a that's a kick in the groin, I think, no matter how you slice it, actions are heavier than words. Um, and so that's worrisome to me if, if the if the projected message across the league is the best players are all leaving. Right. Like what? Why is that? What does that say? And Yarmo's response to that was, "Look, we're going to be a competitive team because our we still have our core here." And Bobrovsky was part of the core for sure, um, but I think we've known for more than a year that that's going to change. Panarin was sort of an add-on to the core, and they had a hundred. They had the best season they've ever had was the year before Panarin got here. Yeah, uh, at least regular season wise. Um, and they do have young talent coming. I'm with you. I, I don't think – I think this is still a playoff club. I really do. Is I, I, I think I think there's going to be a chip placed upon their shoulder that, frankly, they've not had for a couple of years. I think John Tortorella is going to love coaching this team mm-hmm. and get ready because it's going to be a nonstop um, message is going to be, oh, no one gives – no one thinks we're worth a damn. He's going to say that five million times. Uh, from turning camp to to the end of the season, um, but boy, this is—I mean—and I hate nothing against the Blues or the Bruins. This is a great series. Just freaking get it over with already. Just <laughs> get it over with because the really interesting shit. I, I, I'm resigned that either the Blues or the Bruins are going to win the Stanley Cup. Okay, that's going to be great. Let's get to the really interesting shit because, my God, this could be a really, really volatile summer across the league if you look at some of the names that are. Rumored to be possibly moving, Subban, Malkin, Kessel, uh, Duchesne, Bobrovsky, Panarin are going to end up somewhere else, most likely. 
I mean, it is Eric Carlson. Like, I don't recall a summer where there's been this much uh, volatility among big name players. So something to really look forward to. And and of local interest, and Allison, you wrote a really good piece about this. I think it posted Thursday. Yes. About Zach Wierenski. Um, probably, well, definitely the Blue Jackets' biggest RFA, uh, but maybe their biggest contract, assuming all those guys we've, we've mentioned a bunch of times now already, leave, and there are no more further negotiations with those guys, probably the biggest contract they'll do this summer, at least in-house, is Zach Wierenski. And what did your what did your research and sort of searching for a, a um, comparable, what did you find with Wierenski, and what do you peg his AAV at? <laughs> yes, it's... Uh... It, it was a fun little exercise, and, and to the points you were just making about how crazy this offseason is going to be, I mean, one of the things we never used to have to really think about when, it, when the words free agent were mentioned, it really was more so a matter of trade or sign, right? And it's, it's players like John Tavares, it's players like even William Nylander who are, who are changing the game here, who are putting a lot of power in the players' hands that, that kind of hamstring the, the teams right so um to that point i think that with zach they're going to want to get that deal done sooner than later they definitely don't want to see a kneelander situation i think they definitely want to get as many of his ufa years as they can as the players willing to sign for um because as we just talked about all the financial side they need to lock up the core as succinctly as they can because talent's going to be more expensive for this group for the for the near term in terms of bringing in outside talent. Um, I, I think he's definitely going to clear at least six. I mean, and, and some of the projections, the one that we cited in comparison, has him at either 6.9 for seven years or at 6.3 for, for six. And, you know, that's that sounds scary. I saw a lot of people say, well, that's more than Seth Jones. But, gosh, I feel like we're, we're leading an accounting class here, Aaron, today. But, you know, yeah, if, right. you, if you factor in inflation, uh, Seth Jones is basically making a little over $6 million a year with his current contract. And what, what's really, what, what is really kind of happening in the public space, it, it's bigger and bigger. It was out there for a while, but it really needs to become even more important, is the percentage of the cap hit that a player costs. The, the dollars to dollars doesn't really work unless the contracts were signed in the exact same year. Um, so it's Zach factors out to be a little bit more than 1% more than Seth is, but Zach had a head start on getting first pairing opportunity and Seth didn't. Um, and what I found really intriguing when I asked around too, while we were doing this and some people may not know it, when it comes down to how you negotiate out a contract, teams and agents can only use publicly available stats. And so when you look at points, when you look at time on ice, when you look at things like that, among first-round draft picks, among drafted defensemen since the last lockout, among defensemen, Zach has some pretty good numbers. So he's going to get paid. I mean, that's just – that's the bottom line. Yeah. And it, and also, if you can it's, – it's a little unfair because Jones was stuck behind that great deep crew in Nashville. Right. But it is, but it isn't. I mean – you, you compare Wierenski's first three years with Jones's, and you go, well, yeah, yeah, his second contract's going to be bigger, right? Because uh, the numbers are the numbers are crazy. And I do, you know, he took a lot of heat. Wierenski did. It was mystifying to me even early on. Where you're like, 
when he was defending, like, why isn't he using his arms? Like, (laughs) what is he doing? Right. Um, It was almost like a a football, like a cornerback in the open field trying to knock a guy over with his shoulders and not wrapping up. Like, what are you doing? Um, But I thought he was really good the last two months of the season, both ways. And I think he's, I think he has the potential to be a really special player. He's well on his way to that. And let's be honest too. If, if that front end uh, hollows out Panarin, Dezingle, uh, Duchesne, the focal point of this team is going to be their, their back end, especially their top pair. Absolutely. Uh, those are going to be the, the superstars on this team. For Absolutely. Sure. Uh, all right. Well, let's bring in the great uh, Bob McGillicott, who's kind enough to join us here today. Bobby, how you doing? I'm doing well, Porty. How are you? Yeah, good. We're good. Um, boy, this is going to be a fun uh, few uh, weeks here coming up. I think there's going to be some some rather seismic activity among the Blue Jackets. Uh, last summer was such a weird summer because it was all about what that what's going on with these two star players, and now it, it feels like the departure of of so many players. What's your sense of of where this team is going to be? What this is going to look like? Uh, when the dust settles, say July fourth, is it? I mean, I, I think there's a potential for this to be an upsetting summer for some people. I think if we know Yarmo Kikalainen even a little bit, I think there's going to be some aggressive moves made, perhaps in all directions. You get the sense that things are going to look radically different July fifth, or are we going to be talking about who left and not who came? Uh, I I get the radically different sense. And I don't know if that's just being an optimistic uh, kind of a guy about it or not. But I I think what you just said hit the nail on the head. I think there are two things. First of all, Yarmo has done such a good job in making some deals that nobody saw coming. I mean, when he got Brandon Saad from the Chicago Blackhawks, really, who saw that coming? And then when he flipped Saad for Artemi Panarin, who saw that coming? So I don't think even he saw it coming. Yeah. No, he might not have. <laughs> You're right. And, you know, Jody Shelley said this throughout the entire year, and I, I completely agree with uh, him on this. He said, he said, uh, everybody's talking about losing Panarin. Here's the real question: How do we ever get Artemi Panarin? And that's a legitimate question, right? So when you look at it that way, and you see what he's been able to pull off, and look, he's been in that job long enough now that. He's very well respected. He's got some very good contacts. He's got different people in the league that he can work together really well with. Sure. Um, he's not going to sit back, as you said, and, and just let everything happen around him without at least giving it, uh, you know, the all-out effort that he does. So I think it's going to—it's there's no doubt it's going to look different because we know that there are guys that are definitely—they're gone. They're done. Um, but between who he might be able to uh, talk into staying— and beyond that, what um, you know, what he might be able to get with the money that he has to spend, I'm yeah. really interested. And I know he's not uh, spend crazy kind of a guy because you know he's an old scout. You know, they like to draft and develop their guys. I get it, but um, I, 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 I expect him to do the right thing, Porty. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. There are going to be people that are disappointed, uh, regardless. I think of what happens. But um, I think he's going to do the right things. Um, so you've got if Bobrovsky moves along, and, and it certainly looks like he's going to, you've got a competition between Corpusalo and Elvis Merzlikens. If Panarin moves along, you've got you have other left wingers, and I think wingers in general are easier easier to 
acquire than centermen are. If Matt Duchesne moves along, the Blue Jackets are back to having to rely on Alexander Wenberg to be a top six center. Of all of those spots, so Panarin's position on the wing, Bobrovsky's spot and goal, and Duchesne's position at center ice, which of those gives you the, the biggest concern in terms of how the Blue Jackets can recover from that person's departure? Well, I think uh, when you talk about a team that has been built around its goaltender for the last uh, however long Sergey's been here, what, seven years or whatever, um, to me, that's that's the biggest one. And and this is tough for me. What I'm about to say is tough for me because I like Jonas Corposalo so much as a person. I really do. Uh, I like him as a goaltender, too. But I don't know if the competition of those two guys battling it out to be the number one guy is exactly the way that you want to go. Um, I personally, I would feel better with a bona fide NHL guy that has more experience, maybe backing up an Elvis Merce Lincoln. So, but I mean, then again, what do I know? Maybe it's a, maybe it's a time for Corpusalo to, uh, to break out and come to camp and, and win a job and surprise. Well, I'm not, I, it wouldn't be fair to say surprising the coaches because they like him. They know what he can do, but maybe it's time to surprise uh, some people uh, in the stands and outside of the organization. But I look, Porter, you know, if you really want to compete in the National Hockey League and, and if you want to be a playoff team, uh, going in with two relatively untested and unproven goalies uh, to me is a, is a tough way to go about it. But then again, I haven't seen Bruce Lincoln's play one minute, um, you know, right. live and in person. And so I, I don't know how that's going to turn out. But to me, of all of those things, and I know not having the centerman, well, it sucks. We've seen it. There's no question about it. But when you have relied on your goalie for as long as this team has, and then not even to know who the goalie is, to me, that's the biggest, not only the biggest question mark, the biggest concern. Yeah, Niarmo has has said that, that um, he's not necessarily going to go outside and bring in a free agent goaltender. There will be quite a few available. It won't surprise me if, if he does, um, just because I, I think, wow, of all of the other questions that are going to creep up along, that's the one position that you really want to be certain that you've got coverage, at least some, at least a proven option there. I personally, I am, I am more. Cons- I, I just have a feeling about this Merzlikens kid, the way that he competes and his personality. Um, I just have a feeling that he's going to be a big, big deal in this town and in this league. And that the, the Wenberg situation in the top six concerns me. But I, I do think, to your point, it's a good one. You can get through, especially in a regular season, you can get through um, with makeshift here and there and still be competitive and still be in the hunt. You don't have a goal. You don't have anything. Um, right. Allison, yeah, and, and look at it. You oh, know, and I think I, I like – I, I like your point about uh, Merz Lickens and, and what he could do in his personality and all that. It could be really, really good, quite frankly. And with Yarmo not saying that he's going to go out and look for a veteran guy, obviously we know he can't do that because if you do that, you're basically undermining Corpus Solo. You're, you're giving the message that he's not good enough. And, and that would not only would that be incorrect, but that would not be the way that you want to handle your player either here. So yeah, I agree with you. If all of a sudden, there's a, uh, a veteran, experienced goaltender in the mix uh, before the summer is over. It wouldn't shock me in the least either. And hey, you could also make the argument that look what Carolina did with their goaltending situation. And they took two guys that are on their last legs, maybe, 
and put them together yeah. and they got to the playoffs. But then again, look what happened in the playoffs to those guys. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think it's going to be really important. Look at St. Louis. Right. Yeah, you're right. Who's heard of Bennington before this year? Allison, fire away. So, Bobby, I'm going to build on your your optimist perspective. And, you know, we, we all sit and talk about what's what about this? What about that? All the worries. But I mean, there are some pieces that that are staying. I mean, Seth Jones was just a monster in the playoffs. We we talked about the potential of Merzlikens. What are you excited? Are, are there things you're excited about to see for next season from this team? Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm excited. I You know, you bring up Seth Jones. I've been excited about Seth Jones, and I'm sure you guys are in the same category. Every time you watch him play, you get more excited about this guy. Every year he comes back and he gets better, you're more excited about him. Uh, I'm excited to see if uh, Wierenski finally went through his growing pains. And, you know, because you know, we all know there was a time this year where it was like, what happened to the guy from two years ago? We understand right. the guy last year was hurt. Okay, I get that. I'll give him a pass. But where's the guy from two years ago? They want him to concentrate on defense, and all of a sudden he's struggling with his overall game. And then it kind of came back at the end. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see what Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to be like next year mm-hmm. because he's he was great two years ago. He was great this past year. And he just keeps getting better. He's on an upward trend. And he has got to, as we talk about the center position, he's got to grab that. And that, maybe that's unfair of me to say when he's 20 going on 21 or whatever. But, you know, he's got to grab that. He's got to he's got to take the take full control over that so we can talk about stop talking about this team not having a number one centerman. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that stuff. I'm excited to see you know, what the heck's going to go on with Ryan Murray before he got hurt. I mean, he was terrific as the best we've ever seen him. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things to be excited about. Uh, but, you know, there, there's just so many question marks. You know, you finally get to a situation where you're in the playoffs three straight years. This year, you know darn well if you beat the Boston Bruins, you're going to the Stanley Cup final. I, that's the way I felt about it anyway. And then you fall short. And, you know, you just want to see you want to see them plug those holes with guys that are going to keep them where they are right now and keep them getting better instead of having to take a step backward before you take two forward. Do you like the crowded blue line, Bobby, or do you think that maybe Yarmo tries to to use some of that as as trade collateral to to get some picks back or some talent back? Yeah, I think he's got to use some of it. I mean, if but then again, okay, so it's crowded right now, but then where is it crowded? What's what's going on in Cleveland? I mean, right. who's coming who's coming in the pipeline with that? Where's Gabriel Carlson? Here's a guy two years ago played in the Stanley Cup playoffs after playing in North America for a week, and now you haven't seen Heidner Hare, the guy. Uh, you know, where that's my only question. Before you go dealing guys to get picks or do this and that, you know, where are, are there other guys coming? Are there guys you're going to be able to plop in there and you're going to be able to supplement that with that are coming from the minors or coming from junior or whatever? Um, and, and, again, you guys concentrate on that, quite frankly, a lot more than I do right now. So, uh, But if there are, yeah, then you can do that. You know, Murray is the thing, you know, if he if he comes back and starts playing as well as he was, do you try to trade him by Christmas before he gets hurt again? Maybe, <laughs> uh, you know, quite honestly, and not to be mean, I love yeah. the guy, but if you can't finish the season and if you're playing at the top of your game, you know, strike while the iron's hot kind of thing. So that, I don't know what he'll do with it, but I think he does have some options there as far as getting picks. And I'm sure they're picks that he covets. <laughs> yes, indeed. I've got one more for you, Bobby. It's a very serious one. Are you ready? Yeah. What is your very favorite analytical measure? Well, <laughs> the weather map. 
whatever the hell that thing is that you put out with the reds and the blues <laughs> the and the high lab. scoring and the great chances <laughs> and all this. I know. I, you, you, I know you set me up for this, so I'm just going to tell you what you want to hear. Right, look at it. <laughs> I don't know. No, I love, I love you for it, Bobby. It's all good. You know I'm just giving you a hard time. No, I know that. What's that, Forty? Did you guys see the thing, the National Weather Service in San Diego yesterday? The ladybugs. No. Yeah, where they're like, whoa, what the hell is that moving down uh, south through the Southern California near San Diego? And it looked like a wicked storm popped out of nowhere. It was actually an eight mile by eight mile swath of ladybugs. <laughs> and I, you know, I looked you... at it and it was like, man, is that the blues shot chart? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, you know, when you said about the weather service in San Diego, you had me off balance because I thought in San Diego it's just sunny and 80 every day. I didn't even know you had to check the weather there. That was my follow-up question. Why the hell is there a weather service in San Diego? <laughs> and if there is, how do you get a job there? That's the Maytag repairman. Like, I got nothing to do. Yeah. All right, here's a, here's a fun way to end it. <clears throat> the Blue Jackets have two draft picks heading into Vancouver. I would set the over and under of draft picks taken in that draft at four and a half. You take the over or the under? In other words, by them. No, I know what you mean. So are they going to get three more? Uh, you said four and a half. I'll take an over on that. Oh. So you think they get three more? Nice. Yeah, somehow. Somehow, some way. I, I was going to take the under. Nice. Well, that, well, good. Then it worked out perfectly. We didn't even plan <laughs> it. We have differing opinions, and it worked. Great. There is some talk that uh, the Chicago Blackhawks are interested in Ryan Murray, and you guys just talked about him a little bit. I think this is a really good question. Is now the time to trade Ryan Murray now? Because you're trading low. Right. This is a top four guy. God, it would just suck out loud if you're the Blue Jackets and you trade him. And now he finds – and then he becomes, has just an unbelievable healthy run the rest of his career. Yeah, well, it would suck even more if you didn't trade him and he got hurt in training camp. Yeah, that's the flip side. Do you, If you have a decent offer for Ryan Murray now, do you take it? I do. Allison? I do. I, I mean, I just – I can't – just because I don't, if it's a decent offer, I do because I just don't know what I'm going to get. Well, let's be more specific. What draft pick does it take right now, Bobby, for you to move him? Oh, see, I'm terrible at this. I hate being a GM, but uh, you're not getting a first. Second. No, I know that. I mean, a second would be ideal. Yeah, I think I think I would hold steady at a second. If I didn't get that, I would hope that he's healthy and he's playing well. And then if I could get something during the season, I would. Agree with that? Yeah, Alice? absolutely. I think, I mean, the the hard part for us in this, right, is that we don't know, and, and it's not our business, but we don't know what this most recent injury was, you know, so it's... Well, we I, I can tell you this, it was a it's a back injury. It's just very similar to the one he had the year before. There you go. I mean... It's, it's, not, it's not surgical, it's just something that, that takes time to heal. It's not in the same spot it was right. last year. Right. Um, so... That's, I guess, a little bit comforting, but the fact that it continues to happen is worrisome. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with Bobby. I mean, I love the guy. I think he, when he's on, he is one of the best defensemen that there is. He's tremendous. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, if a second, that's a conversation to have for sure. Yeah, all right. Uh, anything else you guys want to add? Anything you got to get off your chest here before the the podcast wraps up? Have you guys watched any hockey since the Blue Jackets got knocked out? Yeah. Yeah. I have not watched one minute. Seriously? Not really? one minute. I can't stand it. I can't look at it. It makes me sick. I just can't watch it. it be, because I know what it could have been. 
uh, we could all still be working this week. I really believe that. And it's just so frustrating and disheartening. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I don't know that there's enough credence given to how close they, they came, really. I mean, then again, I, I bought the, the by the end of the Boston series, it started to feel to me like previous series where whenever Boston needed more, they reached back and got more. And right. I, and it didn't feel like Columbus had had um, sort of a, another gear there. I, I felt like I, like Boston was a bad matchup for them just because the the way that they over just ran over Tampa Bay could not be as effective against Boston because they wouldn't let it. No, I agree with that. And I, and, and, you know, the other thing about it is what you're right about that extra gear. And I guess you have to kind of learn that to an extent with some young players or maybe bring in some more experienced guys to hammer that point home a lot more than maybe it was. But uh, I also felt that near the end of it, um, that they kind of felt like, uh, you know, they, they almost looked at times like no matter what we do, we're not going to be able to beat these guys. Yeah. And that, that was very disheartening to me because right. I think, you know, as, as you guys and I sit there and, and I'm telling people everywhere I went, I said, look, win this series going to the Stanley Cup final. I'll tell you, they'll take care of Carolina. I'm not even worried about that. Not at all. And I don't know if they felt like that as much as I felt like that. And, you know, and it's easy for me to feel like that when I'm sitting way up top and not getting hit and not blocking shots and all that crap. But uh, I I really do. That's why it was just that's why to me it still hurts, because I really felt like they they had a chance to to make magic and to capture lightning in a bottle. Pardon the pun with the Tampa thing. But uh, (laughs) but it just didn't happen. That's all. Bobby, let me ask you this, because you I mean, you are so good. And when you're doing your job, I mean, you know, everything that's happened in the hockey world. If you don't watch the playoffs, do you then do extra work to bring the knowledge of what happened there? into into your work because i mean you you reference that kind of stuff all the time and you know all that stuff when you're when you're broadcasting a game you guys are on twitter right well i'm just well i didn't so <laughs> so okay so you're watching I didn't say listen i didn't say that i haven't seen any highlights i didn't say i haven't oh, okay. read any stories all right. i haven't because you can't avoid it because everything you know you, okay. you subscribe to all these writers and uh, into the nhl and to the teams and i mean it's constantly coming across the phone i can't i can't get away from it but i have not sat down and watched a game and uh and just uh you know i haven't done that i i've done everything but sit down for two and a half hours and watch a game. Okay. So I misunderstood. I thought you were saying you were staying away from the thing. Oh, no, no, no. You can't get away. There's so many things I'd love to get away from, and you just can't. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, get back to the Bruins real quick. The one thing that just impresses the hell out of me is their guys, Tori Krug, Charlie McAvoy, these guys that aren't that big and are not that veteran, they are freaking fearless. And yeah, times in a good way. They're half that Blues team could pick up Tory Krug and throw him into the stands. And they and he tried. Doesn't <laughs> he doesn't care. He just keeps right. going, killing people. Yeah, but I think a lot of that has to do with Patrice Bergeron, and I mean the tone, right? Chara, Chara's Chara, out there playing yeah. with a broken jaw for God's sakes, and he's forty some years old. I mean, right. if you can't get up and play on a team with that guy and for that guy you better go find another team, right? And then that's, that's the intangible. That's the thing to me that you're trying to not only capture, but develop. 
Yep. And it takes yep. those kind of players to oh. to bring you that element. And Sean Corrales has fit right in that mold. Oh yeah. yeah, it's been what a what a dream for him, right? And what's going oh. on with him? And it, and and it's it's so great for him. And uh, he's been so important to that. And it's you know that's been a fun thing to watch from the perspective of him being from Columbus and all that stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah and, it, and he's just think about how much better of a player he's going to be for it in the long oh, run too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, right. if you if you guys, I don't know if you did see, like there were a, there was a lot of buzz before this series of some comments Chara made about how he captains, and, and I'm with Bobby. I think that when you have a guy like that as your leader and how he thinks about what a team should be and and how a captain leads, I mean, I I think that's a difference maker too. Of just and that's not a dig on any other captain, but I just you you give your all because that's what you do. That's just how it works and. Right. Um, that the leadership side of this has really impressed me. Some of that that's come out through the end of this series. Yeah, there's some organizations that just know how to foster that stuff for sure. Right. And, and, and it's what, and we're talking about all this, uh, losing this skill or how do you develop this skill or how do you grab that skill? And, and the fact of the matter is, and I know Yarmo talks about this all the time, you've got to have that skill, but if you don't have the character to go along with the skill, yep. Yep. You've you've wasted a draft pick or you've wasted free agency money. It's it to me. It's a complete waste because if uh, you know you and we, how many character guys have we seen that aren't that skilled, but yet they stay in this league for a long time and they have a lot of success. Yeah. I think the one thing that people mistake a lot often too is kindness for character. Mm. Yes. Yeah. You know right. People who are easy to deal with, people who are kind, people who are nice, people who do stuff in the community. All of that stuff's good stuff. There's a kind of player on the ice. Um, there's a character on the ice that leads to Stanley Cups, perhaps even more than the skill does. Yeah, there, there's been many guys that uh, you know that players will say, oh, he's a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. I like playing right. with him. But, yeah. uh, okay, well, would you run through a wall for him? Right. Ah, I don't know if I'd do that. You, you know, know what I mean? It's strange, and I'm showing my age, and I don't want to be the grumpy old guy here, but it used to be in, in, at the trade deadline you could pluck – you could you could find two or three guys, Mark Recchi, stick him in there, Bill Guerin, stick him in there. You could find those guys, Kevin Deneen, twenty years ago. You could stick him in there and say, okay, this is a this guy is a leader, and people get behind him. And teams had two or three, four of those guys. You, teams get to the trade deadline now, and they're like, where are those guys? It's just different now. How young the league has gotten, how skilled the league has gotten. And those sort of get behind me boys type players have become really hard, really hard to find. And I think Boston's probably got six or eight of them. Yeah. Some teams no. would be able to have two of them. You're right. They're almost uh, non-existent. And that's why I think they, as dumb as it might sound to some people, I think the loss of Adam McQuaid in those playoffs, yeah. uh, for the playoffs, I think yeah. that's huge because I think that guy has – some of those traits. I think he has a lot of those traits, quite frankly, yeah. and he wasn't able to put them to use. Yeah, he's one of those guys for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, Bobby, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure. We'll do it more often if you're willing. I am always willing. Thanks for the invite. It's great. And uh, yes, Allison, even though I'm not watching the games, it's nice <laughs> to uh, stimulate the brain and talk about hockey again at this time of the year. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time. We'll, uh, Sign off now. Thanks for listening, Front and Nationwide. Uh, we'll be back with you next week. We'll be doing these uh, leading up to the draft. Uh, Tom Reed perhaps will join us 
next week. Allison Lucan, thanks for being with us. Always. Thanks again, Bobby Mack, and we'll talk to you all very soon. <laughs>